up of war Triumphant over pain Who patient bears his cross below He follows in I know you were wondering what's going on, and I won't hold you in suspense any longer. What's going on is we're back with another episode of Stone Mountain Media from the road. We're on the road again. Just can't wait to get back on the road again. We're road tripping to a wedding. A couple folks going to get hitched. We're going there to celebrate illegally. We're going to illegally shoot off some firearms, drink some illegally distilled moonshine, do some illegal donuts with our drag racing cars and celebrate somebody getting hitched. That's what we're doing. Say hello, Sugar Sean. Hello. Uh, before we get into our topic of discussion on this road trip, Sean, I know you're an avid reader of the Gospel Coalition blog. Yep. And uh, often, uh, often fail to read my Bible because I'm just so hooked on. Uh Gospel Coalition blogs. Honestly, the Lord gives some as teachers, and uh, really, you don't need to go to the Scripture directly yourself, because God really intends for you to understand His will for your life through the gifted ones, and particularly those whom the gatekeepers have selected as uh, as the approved uh, teachers of good distilled gospel truth. Yeah, how am I going to be a teacher in uh, in God's church if I'm not in tune with what's being said that I need to be teaching so that's right well you know I too am an avid fan of the gospel coalition and so I happen to be aware that the one and only Kevin DeYoung recently uh, wrote a blog post for them that surprisingly they pu- uh, published believe it or not I read it oh nice I didn't read it I just know about it <laughs> what was it about Sean since you read it uh, a new battle plan being Christians should have babies. Wow. It was revolutionary. I haven't really thought about application points for my life yet, but I feel like things are going to be radically different now. I hear that he said crazy things like, uh, there's no, no way to be richer than to have a ton of kids, and there's no better way to engage in the culture war than to, with your ton of kids catechize them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Yeah, he uh, he basically made that the uh, the chief goal of of godly parenting. So, all jokes aside, nothing revolutionary there. He just said, hey, uh, if we want to win a culture war, the way we do that is simply by trusting God, having seeking to have fruitful sex. If God blesses it with children, disciple them a ton see them raised up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, pray unto God for him to uh, save them in his grace, and really very easily outproduce unbelievers who, you know, most are having one, two kids, so barely even replacing themselves at best, uh, and make that, make that your end. So that was, that was his, main, uh, his main push in the article. In the eloquent words of Sugar Sean, condoms are gay. Amen. 
uh, the only reason I'm aware of the article because uh, I, I don't go through and browse Gospel Coalition publications. By the way, how did you even hear about the article? Because you're definitely not in tune with the happenings of the world. I'm really not. It was shared with me via text, and I uh, went over to it. So Nice. So you, you have some friends that are in tune. I saw it uh, because it caused quite the kerfuffle, quite the stir, uh, the shake and the stir on the Twitter sphere as uh, Christians on Twitter displayed just how uh, decayed and rotted out like the culture, the, the surrounding culture they really are, as they said things about Kevin DeYoung like, you're basically saying uh, the tenets of ISIS minus the beheadings. So, the church is in, in a wonderful position of being salt and light right now to do a great service to our dying nation, apparently based on the response to a Kevin Young article, which, again, I haven't read, but I imagine if it was published on the Gospel Coalition, he ain't saying nothing too hard-hitting. I mean, of all the Gospel Coalition guys, Kevin Young is going to be one of the best ones you get, but uh, there's, there's limits. There's limitations to the things you can say on that website, and so I, I, was, I was amused and saddened at the same time because I have a dark sense of humor, dark sense of amusement uh, based on the response that he was getting. Uh, tonight on this road trip, we want to take up the the following proposition. So I'm going to make an assertion, and then you can respond to it. Okay. Uh, here, here's the vision of the mature Christian life. Okay. A Christian man should dedicate 100% of his time to the following things. If he does anything else, it's a waste of his time. Read the Bible. Pray. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Say hi to his wife. Spend some time with her. Eat food, but only food that directly exists for his nourishment. Spend time with his kids. Only in that time, giving it to Bible reading, catechizing prayer, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Playing with his kids, but only in such a way that directly builds their physical wellness. Only do things in the Christian life that are transparently obviously directly beneficial to the soul to the body anything else is a waste of your time what do you say pastor that is your life so you know <laughs> yeah agreed <laughs> uh, unpack your the, the last statement honestly is a little bit of a, a wrinkle for me so I'm actually, I actually tend to agree with the last statement you made. Which is what? I can't remember. Uh, you know, doing things that are more transparently good for good for your soul. Uh, okay, well, hey, so it's, it's just, defined it, by what I said, though. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, I just didn't like, I didn't like sarcastically answering that last one. The rest, I feel like I could sarcastically answer in the affirmative with more sincerity. Uh, whereas that last fact, I, I more so believe... Uh, I don't think that your entire life 
uh, or I don't think you're walking in sin anytime you're not you don't have your head in your Bible, right? That's basically the idea we're talking about. If you're not if you don't have your head in your Bible, if you're not praying with every moment of your life, uh, you're in sin. I think uh, God has created many things for us to enjoy. Uh, food is not only given um, for our nourishment uh, in a in a physical sense, uh, like you know I need X amount of grams of carbs, so I'm going to consume that many, and I'm going to consume it in the most robotic way possible. Hold up. Don't you know that you actually don't need any carbs? Don't you know it's protein and high saturated fat? What do you want to become? What do you want to become? Do you want to become a paleo caveman of virility and strength, or do you want to be a doughboy? Certainly, I want really good bread. That's why you get time and a half. (laughs) <laughs> I love I love a good sourdough loaf So I'm a card man Is that what the kids are calling Overtime pay now Sourdough loaf Yeah I'm trying to stay hip I'm not very good at it So So entertainment Right Giving your time uh, To entertainment So In entertainment I'm I'm just gonna talk about Or I just wanna address I know entertainment is, is broad Because uh-huh. we could talk about being entertained by looking at ants devouring the smushed remains of a snail that I slaughtered in cold-hearted, cold blood. Well, you know, you did so accidentally, and you were actually pretty heartbroken over it. I'm pretty soft. <laughs> I did have to take a seat and, and cool down a little bit after yeah. that. Well, e- even that, though, really, it applies in terms of entertainment, because it's, uh-huh. it's the idea of, like, even that, you know, we've... And we can thank Andy Wilson for a lot of the, the worldview shaping in terms of even looking at ants in a different way. Uh, Notes from a Tilted World. If you haven't read that book, you should read it. So in a, in a couple weeks, Lord willing, if, if I ever get a contract, I am, I've, I've, been, I've been able to succeed in fooling a, a high school into hiring me to, to be a teacher, in, including to teach the subject of, of science. So... I don't know what I did to successfully fool this school. It might have been my fake mustache. It might have been my fake monocle or my fake British accent. I'm not sure if it was a combo well, of, of the three. I don't three. know how much those played into it because I know you were wearing them, but it was a phone interview. So, <laughs> you telling me that <laughs> he could only see me if I FaceTimed? Yeah, I should have chosen a different time to tell you that. Ah, uh, so it had to just be the accent then. Probably. But anyway, I'm I'm teaching science. And uh, Lord knows that's a mistake. But one thing I plan to do for extra credit is uh, have students read Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl by Indy Wilson. And then I'll figure out some way to verify they didn't cliff note it. They actually, and didn't watch the movie. They actually read the book. Because by the way, you can get the movie and you should go do that. But not if you're a student. You should go read that book and then get extra credit from Mr. Burchard, your science teacher. But back to Indy, Indy yeah, Wilson. It's important. I want to start kind of by shattering any notion of uh, a lack of wonder at God's creation and the entertainment we're supposed to glean from what God has made and uh, how it all points to Him. So that's one of those things where it's like I had a you know a rift with uh, a rift with like you saying sarcastically saying everything we do should be for the benefit of our souls. It is to the benefit of our souls that we sit there and look at ants and think about. You know their perspective on the world. God's made these little creatures that work together, and yeah, we we sit outside of the house and smoke cigars often, and we'll see 
you know, whether it's a dead earwig that gets, you know, that's carcass gets picked apart by a colony of ants. That's, you know, God chose that, that evening to feed an entire colony of ants with this one life of an earwig. And there's a benefit in contemplating that. There's an entertainment in recognizing that God is on some level entertained. He, out of just his good pleasure, created both the earwig and the ant colony. And they had this little, uh, their own little world that night while so many other things are going on. Uh, God's sovereignly displaying this whole drama right before our eyes at our feet. So with that, I think just kind of dismantling, shattering the, the notion that, you know, God is only pleased when your, uh, your head is in your Bible and you're praying for X amount of minutes a day. Um, or when you're doing labor that uh, is only labor that directly gets a paycheck to provide, you know, bacon and bread for your family. Right. Uh, that's a really low view of uh, God's sovereignty, a low view of, uh, of a bad doctrine of creation, bad understanding as to what uh, talking, commuter episodes, not missing exits. I don't always do that, but... Now, you know, we're talking... Right now, we're thinking about looking at uh, slaughtered earwigs and, and big ant colonies engaging in ceremonies of thanksgiving to <laughs> the gods who, 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 who gave this great... Who bestowed this great gift to them. You know, that's, that's part of this contemplative life that it's easier, especially in this age of technology, it's easier for people to... Uh, even just kind of emotionally grasp the benefit of this kind of contemplative life, recognizing the goodness of God through creation, slowing down, looking, observing. And, you know, Indy Wilson is really useful in, in taking that to the next level. But people, you know, I don't, I don't think, um, um, and maybe I'm just too brainwashed by Indy Wilson to to realize what's this, the real state of things are or is, but... Uh, I, it doesn't seem like someone would, would really be inclined to say, wow, you're wasting your time by enjoying nature, you know, quote unquote. Um, and then, you know, we, we were reading Chilton, David Chilton, and he was quoting James Jordan, I think. I think it was James Jordan. Um, and James Jordan was talking about how we can be, I can't remember what, uh, what heresy he connected it with, but basically we can be um, oh shoot basically like deists uh-huh. in, in thinking that God created the world but then just set up laws of nature these processes that they, they're set up so that they can just run on their own and so the happenings around us in nature are just processes unfolding by themselves uh, instead of what he was arguing is the Christian perspective on the happenings of the world where uh God creates every moment with sovereign immediacy. Right. So he's arguing that the biblical position, and I think he argued effectively, the biblical position is one of immediatism regarding creation. Every moment created by God with immediacy, which helps actually elevate our wonder and pleasure in every moment down to the ants, down to bees, trying to escape loogies on the ground. And failing at times. Only because of cold-blooded killers. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that that does establish a uh, a principle. So I think I think you're right. I think there's a dynamic where people are going to say, "Well, you're still talking about you know the direct creation of God, and therefore 
you know, there's an honor there that's not going to be there with uh, a movie somebody makes, right? They're going to because that's yeah, that's where we're going. We're going to the more debated uh, books, and we're not talking. We're going to talk about not just nonfiction books, right? Because I think people have a category in their head where okay, there's there's utility. If I some people are not going to actually give this e- even. I know guys who are like, if I'm not reading my Bible, if I'm spending time just reading. Uh, an autobiography or biography or, or historical account or a book of poetry that it's it's a waste of my time and my that's time's kinda, too that's kind of fun just uh what what church father can they look to that they're not like calling a sinner with that kind of category probably some eastern orthodox guy on a <laughs> stone pillar in the desert yeah um so i know guys like that uh i know guys that that uh actually even disregard Bible teachers it's just me and my Bible and the Holy Spirit but but I, I know guys less extreme than that who are just like no I read my Bible and and nothing else and uh, unless it's like a pure theology book right uh, but then there's there's other guys that are like you've got a category well you know if it's just, if it's non-fiction that's one thing but fiction you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of seriousness I'm a man of weight uh, when I was a child I thought like a child I acted like a child I spoke like a child now I'm a man I've left childish ways behind and now I read. I read nonfiction, and I read the Bible. Um, so we're talking about particularly fiction books, and in any form of fictional writing entertainment, we're talking about TV shows uh-huh. and movies. Okay. So now, are they a waste of time? Are they not a waste of time? Holy bad? Holy good? Somewhere in between that requires discernment and wisdom and and maturity what do you say sugar well certainly they require discernment and wisdom every any anything we're gonna try to enjoy uh, and our lives are full of having to make choices using discernment so yeah so I mean you know am I gonna go to the strip club once or three times a week that requires discernment and wisdom it does one is better than three zero is better than one Uh, so so movies (laughs) <laughs> novels, things like that. Different category than strip clubs, you're telling Yeah, I'm pretty fine with that position. Okay. I think I can argue that. Uh, one thing I'll say out, out the gate, um, I think all those things have, you know, good and bad in them, right? There's good books, bad books, good movies, bad movies. Uh, foundationally, though, uh, God... Uh, has told the most glorious story ever. God's a God loves story. Uh, the Bible is a story. Uh, it unfolds the greatest story, which is uh, Christ coming as the bridegroom to redeem for Himself a bride. Uh, all along the way, uh, lots of epic stories of heroes, uh, stories of tragedy, stories of triumph. All of that is straight Bible. So for the, I mean, even for the straight Bible guy applying it, just since there's already a you know an example we've set up. You think about the the ants. It's like taking this like strict like I only read nonfiction approach. Then you have like these ants. It's like how do you deal with that? It is nonfiction. It's reality. God made that. But what it doesn't play into like you know that's not that's not systematic theology, right? God made that, and it's not systematic theology. It's not uh, it's not. There's not a book for you to read about it. You just you're just supposed to enjoy it, and you know things happen in your life that are tragic things happen in your life that are funny and you should laugh at them you know 
laughter is a part of life. God made all those things. We talked about, you know, God immediately creating, sustaining every moment. He made all those things. They're to be enjoyed. Uh, they're from him. And so, and then you have uh, this idea, you know, think about, uh, think about Genesis. Remember that time you were busting up the riots in La Mesa and you busted your pants? And then you thought, wow, God determined before time that that would happen. That yeah. was funny. Well, God did determine. I was uh, I was working swing shift, so I was getting off at midnight, and I would go for runs a lot of time at, like, you know, 1 in the morning by the time I got home, which is a fun time to go for a run because you feel fast because it's dark out. Uh, you're not actually fast, but you feel fast because it's dark out. And I would run on a main road in, uh, in our town in San Diego, and it would be empty because it's 1 in the morning. And I was running one time and uh, I looked to my left and I see a skunk taking a line on me, like running a diagonal, trying to cut me off. It's just me and the skunk in the world at this point. Everyone else is asleep. And I'm running. And I see this. The skunk breaks into a sprint. And so I break into a sprint. I'm like, I got to, there's a point in front of me on the road. I know I have to get to that point before the skunk or I'm probably going to be facing trouble. And I out sprint the skunk. For good measure, sprints probably another two blocks before I decide to turn around and see if there's a chase still happening. The skunk had probably given up long ago. Uh, and so I, I just stood there for a second and uh, realized that it was really just me. The only witnesses to this event were me, the skunk, and God. And God just spoke that moment into existence uh, just for him and I to have a, a really good laugh. Um and for that skunk to be, you know, reinvigorated to get back in the gym uh, because his his ability to chase down prey is just low. But I was going to say, you know... What what do you think a skunk's prey is? Probably like fruit and berries. <laughs> I don't know. Just chasing down those fruits. <laughs> You've got a lot of work ahead of him in Hillcrest. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but I think about I think about Genesis when I think about like you know how do we gauge what we should be enjoying what we should, should we be doing uh, Adam's given a command to to have dominion over everything to be fruitful and multiply fill the earth subdue it uh, and part of that is to image God so God God is a storytelling God uh, you know we're to Im- we're to image that so uh, good story is to be delighted in uh, when it's from God and good story is to be delighted in when it's from uh, his image bearers and so uh, those could be funny stories those could be tragic stories stories of triumph all of those are uh, foundationally uh, things that God created and they're to be enjoyed from him uh, even when it's not directly uh, from his hand it's still his work in and through us speaking of you know all these Shallower, quote unquote, shallower forms of entertainment lumped together from movies to books, fiction books, right? And and you know, books, and we'll even bump, uh, bump out of the discussion Russian novels that if you read, everyone thinks you're smart, but something that you read and no one thinks you're smarter because of reading it, right? Discussing all of that together, like holes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You want (laughs) to. Yeah, I didn't read. A, I don't think I read a single book before I became a Christian. So, I did three book reports on holes in high school, and uh, just watched the movie a couple times. So that's public education for you. Big shout out to Shia. Just do it. <laughs> it. 
I will say, you know, after a long day of work, like the reason God made Coors Light is because a nice sigh after a long day of, of a grind is a good thing. It's a satisfying thing. And uh, you can thank God for a sigh. And so some forms of entertainment I do think of as a sigh. If I give my whole day, I'll tell you what, it is distracting doing commuter episodes because you just can't trust California drivers. Like this guy right here, he's telling you his intention to merge over. But how much faith do you have in him that he's aware of what you are, where you are? Very little. Yeah. He probably votes for a... for a Democrat. And I couldn't even tell if it was a guy or a girl in California. There you go. Um, so I, I think a sigh is created by God as a good thing to be enjoyed. But if your whole life is a sigh, you, then you're the wrong kind of character in a story. Right. Right. You, you don't want to be the guy that his whole life is a sigh, but you want to be the kind of guy that's working so hard that that sigh is well earned. Agreed? Agreed. And then... Uh, with with other forms of you know recently i had a, a crisis moment in life and in the crisis moment i i acted from instinct right, i didn't ha- i didn't have time to deliberate what do i want to do here how do i want to behave the moment comes upon me and then i i act by instinct now my instinct is shaped by all 30 years of my life in every moment that had anything to do with that kind of thing, built my instinct to respond to to a crisis. From the fact that in the middle of a crisis, I was able to light up a cigar uh, and and pull out uh, a flask, have some nice bourbon in the middle of the crisis, to the fact that I also whipped out a cowboy hat, rolled my window down, said yeehaw. All those things are are built. You know, all, all those instincts are coming to bear from years of, of being built and constructed by, by habits, by repeated behaviors. My, uh, my cousin's a basketball coach, and uh, one thing he talks about how, is how in the game, he doesn't want any of his players thinking. He just wants his players playing. He wants them acting. The years and years and years of practice and training and all the games prior build their instinct to flow like water As on the court. Side, did you see you know, ESPN because they have nothing good to talk about? If they're going to do anything good right now, it's when they don't talk about their politics and bring discouragement to all sports fans. Uh, but they do like a flashback to, you know, this happened on this day. However, some odd years ago, they had uh, Ray Allen's three-pointer in the finals against the Spurs. We don't need to talk about that. Amazing shot. Talk about instinct. First of all, to the corner, tip pass, hand in the face, drains it. First of all, my boy, uh, is it? It's Bruce Bowen, right? Uh-huh. Bowen's his last name. Bruce Bowen, much respect. I got no shade for you. Uh, I respect Ray Allen's game, but he's a Yukon Husky. No respect. <laughs> <laughs> and he made that shot in a heat uniform. No respect, because we're not talking about D. Wade, Shaq, Alonzo, Morning Heat. We're talking about the LeBron James Evil Empire Heat. All that aside, got no time for that. Shot, that shot is incredible. Greg Popovich's stupid liberalism aside, he runs a team the way you'd want. His liberalism and female assistant coach aside, that team is definition of a team, and it was a tragedy that Ray Allen hit that shot. Down three. 
backpedal to the corner, catch and shoot, as almost as time is expiring, that's like the shot you dream of as a kid, and he just drained it. Five second clock, your mom dies if you miss this shot. Five, <laughs> four, three, two. You know how many times, I got one boy JD, you know how many times he saved his mom's life growing up? Guy has a wet jumper. Wet! But it's it's useful because we can we can bring in watching sports, not not even not playing sports, which a lot of people will find it easier to see the utility of. Which one day we should talk about uh, the goodness of concussions. But just watching sports. So you got your popcorn, you got your dog. So, you know, you're just sitting there on the couch. You're watching a sport, watching a movie, reading a novel. These kinds of things. Uh, connecting to this this crisis moment. How the moment comes and I act on instinct. Uh, the game comes. You want to just flow. You want to play. The practice, the training, all of those moments, all the habits you form there, then come out in who you are. They build. They build you into a new man. And as that man, you then you play the game. That's how. That's how all of life is. So we want to. We want to live well. We want to live well. We have one brief life to give unto the Lord as a pleasing sacrifice to Him. We want to live in a way that in all things we bring glory to God the Father through Jesus Christ. We want to live in obedient service to Jesus. We want to, we want to be good, brave, virtuous men who, who do what pleases the King of Kings. And uh, stories, whether in the form of a movie, the right kind of story, in the form of a movie... TV show, book, uh, is is a powerful tool to create instincts for us, to create our imagination, our instincts. So we, we through all the stories we take in, and this and the big takeaway then in terms of the discernment is discerning what the right story is, whatever the form is, whether it's a movie or a novel, taking in the right kind of story so that you form this habit this imagination that knows what a bad character is and disdains a bad character and so when moments come that offer you an opportunity to do what a bad character would would do you eschew that opportunity and act like that character that is your hero you know we uh you know as men we need heroes in our lives father figures and brothers we look at as heroes and emulate and we get a lot of our heroes from the stories we read or watch on the screen and uh and so we if you if you filled your life with the right kind of stories then you're going to have this instinct that uh the temptation comes and you go the other way the opportunity to um kind of blow off responsibility put it on someone else it comes but you've you've got this instinct of wanting to own responsibility for your failings because that's what those characters you like do uh the the opportunity comes to step into a fight at risk of your own well-being to defend someone weaker than yourself that comes and you you have the thought, ah, you know what? I can just pretend I didn't see that and move on. But you hate that character in every story you've ever seen. That slimy weasel. And you know what your heroes do. You know what Beowulf does. And so you get in there and get in the mix. That That's only going to happen. You're only going to act in the moment the way uh, you should if your, your whole imagination and instinct, the fibers of your beings have been shaped 
by the Bible and the other gifts God has given, the powerful gifts God has given, uh, which includes entertainment, fun stories. I mean, I read uh, I read all these Louis L'Amour books growing up because my grandpa had them. Zane Grey and Louis L'Amour, and I've read them some of them as an adult, and the writing's honestly pretty pretty basic. But you got these stories of just tough dudes showing grit and determination out in the West, and so that shapes. Uh, the attitude I bring to a concrete job at work. Um, you know, I, uh, I watched a movie about two brothers who were criminals in the movie. But the, their, their brotherhood actually does build an instinct in me that uh, makes me instinctively love and value my brother more than I did before I watched that movie. Uh, you know, and that's even like more removed from like transparent virtue building than like something like Lord of the Rings, Uh which is like this big epic that actually helps you see the world better. Lord of the Rings, you think it's fantasy, you think it's fiction, but actually reading Lord of the Rings and watching uh, two separate products, and that's okay to enjoy both as what they are. But you read those books, you watch those movies, they actually enable you to see reality better. It's not fantasy that brings you away from reality because it's a well-written book by a by a man uh, who who understood reality you actually through his fantasy through his entertainment story see the world better and by seeing better you can just like you pick up you see a ball better coming out of the pitcher's hand you're able to hit it better you see reality better you're better to live it better yeah I agreed I think uh, a principle that's kind of being established through the whole thing is not you know veering away from a strict uh, check these boxes to be a good Christian type of mindset with approaching every aspect of life. Uh, being, being okay you can't, with... You can't watch cats and be a good Christian. I don't know what that's about, but... A bunch of dancing cats. <laughs> Sounds so stupid. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, it's not even a temptation for me, so... Don't uh, <laughs> What we're not saying, uh, I guess what we are saying is uh, there still needs to be a level of intentionality with everything that you do. So we're not saying, yeah, we're not saying that there's a a lack of intentionality, but you can intentionally seek out uh, a funny movie or a funny show uh, for like David was talking about that, just that sigh, you know, just relaxing. Or the instinct of laughing when you're supposed to laugh. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's fine to seek out. Now, uh, part of doing so intentionally, uh, part of the benefit of that is that it keeps you from doing that day in and day out with all of your free time and not evaluating it ever. It's like, oh, so you watch like that sitcom two hours a night after work every night. Uh, That's a lot of time, dude. (laughs) You should probably be doing something else. Dude. 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 I'll go. <laughs> we get, you know, that's now we have to talk about how much are you reading your Bible? How much are you praying? Uh, are you reading any good books? You know, if your life is filled with these things, uh, when you're being intentional about those things, you can, you can enjoy them for what they are, uh, but also not be consumed by them and, and do so uh, under a guise. So, are you saying that uh, in the name of a misunderstood Christian liberty? young men sometimes lack self-control and that in everything a young man does he needs self-control and discipline that's precisely what i'm saying 
where do you get this stuff, dude? You're so wise, man. I only read the Bible. <laughs> Did you go to seminary, man? Because, like, man, you're spitting fire, Pastor. Yeah, I have three seminary degrees. I went to Gordon-Conwell. I went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And he doesn't know a third seminary. I know plenty of other seminaries. I was trying to think of, like, a... One on the spot? Well, no, I could think of a few on the spot. Ones that would bother me? Reformed Theological Seminary. Uh, oh, you know what did did interest me is... Uh, you know that uh, silly article we got from uh, Reformation 21? Mm-hmm. That was written by a guy who went to Greenville. Ugh. I know, dude. I was bummed. I was like, I read. I actually finally read through the whole thing. And I was like only more bummed after I read through the whole thing. Because basically it was an article on patriarchalism that was just caricature, caricatures the whole way through. Like he didn't actually make any points. He just said, you know, uh, patriarchalism is a problem because... Uh, it usurps the authority of the church by making, you know, husbands think that their their headship in their home usurps the church, and that's a problem. Uh, and therefore, it also usurps church community because whenever you're going to have a problem with church authority, you're going to have a problem with church community. And it was, it was those type of points. Uh, I don't think there's a single scriptural passage in there, or if there was, it wasn't uh, interacted with at all. And yeah, it was just a bummer. So I, I thought I thought it would be more of like a, you know, one of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminaries, uh, something along those lines, and I saw Greenville, and I was kind of like, huh, that's surprising. Anyway. If anyone from Greenville is listening to it, uh, this podcast, and let's be honest, you're not, but if you are, just know that I don't hold that against you. I still think well of you. My brother's trying to go uh, to your school. It's a great school. I recommend it to people. Big shout-out to uh, all the social media folks out there that I know who went to that school. Big shout out to Pippa for holding the fort down. And uh, if you got any losers like this in your school, you know, Pippa, handle your business, man. Because uh, I tell you what, Stephen Furtick went to Southern Baptist, and in, in a while, he might turn out to be like one of the conservative guys out of that school. But you don't want a Furtick coming out of your school writing rubbish like that. So just, you know, flunk people out, man. Just find reasons to fail them out and get them out of there, all right? Keep, keep the name. Keep the name pure. you got a great name. Yeah, we're grateful for Greenville, grateful for uh, Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary. Some great seminaries out there. But, no, I'm not uh, not seminary educated, just good old-fashioned common sense and some Bible. So, entertainment is something that can be a good, can be a bad, requires right. discernment to know the difference... Uh, requires self-control and discipline to know how to use good entertainment well and then should be enjoyed as a gift from the Lord and uh, not in an uptight way. Yep. And just like anything in your life, uh, you should be willing to, you know, talk that through with a brother or sister, someone close to you. Uh, If you feel weird about laying out your entertainment habits to someone, uh, it's probably not a good sign. Uh, it could just be a mindset of, you know, thinking that if you're not reading your Bible, you're in sin. And so you carry kind of like a guilt with you just about normal, uh, what could be healthy habits in terms of enjoying uh, entertainment as a gift from God. But you should flesh that out so that you're not uh, sinning against your own conscience in the way that you're enjoying entertainment. And then if you're embarrassed because uh, the majority of your free time is spent uh, doing things that are, you know, to some degree, just more vain, uh, be, simply because even of just the amount you do it, 
uh, you know, you should be willing to lay that out. If you watch a movie that's a bad movie, uh, then maybe, you, you know, sometimes hindsight's twenty twenty. Like Gone with the Wind. Just a terrible movie, a big waste of three hours. Never seen it, but... Uh, I had a, a mom and a sister. Okay. Me too. And I was gay! <laughs> but even even that, like, be willing to talk that out. Talk out talk out story. Talk about why, uh, why that story was a bad story. That's one thing uh, Dave and I will do sometimes. You know, Dave will tell me about a show and then talk about why, why an ending was a bad ending, what would have made it a better ending. Um, all of that still, even through a bad story, you don't, not that you want to make a habit of watching those kind of things, but if it comes to you, uh, don't even let that be in vain. Talk about it. Why is that a bad story? Uh, how does that miss the point of what story is, what it's meant to uh, communicate to us, all those kind of things. Uh, use it all. Always be willing to evaluate. Um, and submit it all unto God so that it might be uh, for his glory that we might continue to grow in him. Never watch the Yankees or the New York Giants. Why? You don't like watching winning? Well, it's kind of like uh, watching Game of Thrones. Like, it's just a clear cut, not helpful for Christian maturity. What if uh, What if Tom Brady's coming into the Super Bowl undefeated and you just want to see him get slain? Who's going to do that besides the Giants? That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> with that, this has been another episode of Stone Mountain Media. Go with God. Cross me.